It's your Wednesday daily delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to have you guys all back for another day. Um, good show coming up. Got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Um, Chris Hine, Timberwolves beat writer for the Star Tribune, joins me here in a little while for a pretty deep dive into what's going on with the Timberwolves, where where they sit after 14 games now, 6-8. and eight. Most recently, a win at Cleveland. Maybe some good takeaways from that game, but uh, you know, overall, certainly not where they want to be right now. And uh, you know, game tonight in Orlando, Chris will be there covering that one. So um, some insights from him into kind of what he's seen so far through 14 games, mixed in with my observations as well. Um, we'll also have some, I went to Wolves Access on Tuesday, talk to some players, talk to head coach Chris Finch. I'll play some of that audio in the context of searching for lineup combinations that work, what they're looking for in terms of, you know, isolating on smaller samples, bigger samples in terms of, you know, five-man groups, two, three-man groups that, that work well together, things like that, um, that, that maybe can give some hints into what they're trying to do, what they're trying to unlock as they go forward as well. First, though, what did I miss? Got to talk wild at the jump. It's a team that, at the start of the year, we identified their biggest weakness as you know, being leaky. They were they gave up 20 goals in the first three games, but then that got shored up as the season went along, right? You know, Marc-Andre Fleury, future Hall of Fame goaltender. I think we can say his name without using that qualifier. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury got much better as the year went on. Defensively, the Wild tightened up their game, and then, you know, ultimately, they started to, started to look more like the team we expected them to look like. But now... They can't score. That's been the problem lately. They've got they've gone their last eight games. I'm sorry, their last six games. They have eight goals combined. Eight goals combined in the last six games. The latest, a 2-1 loss to Nashville on Tuesday night. Got into a pretty quick 2-0 hole in that game and could not climb out of it. You know, the, the shots looked good. They had, I think, 33 shots in, in that game. They got one back early in the third period. Uh, Freddie Goudreau um, got one back, and they, they had, a, had a decent push in the third period. They just watching that game last night, they didn't seem really threatening a, a lot. They, a lot of their activity was on the perimeter. Nashville was pretty easy to easily uh, bodying them around. I think the hits were like two to one. You know, sometimes hits uh, are a little misleading, especially when the home team racks up a large number. Sometimes that's some some hometown. Uh, some hometown uh, tabulating, but Nashville definitely seemed like the more physical team. The Wild just wasn't, even if they were getting pucks to the net, they didn't seem dangerous in in a lot of situations. They just seemed like a team that just kind of lacks a, a little bit of the firepower. Maybe some of that's injuries right now. They're still waiting for you know, some of their key guys from last year, Ryan Hartman. Uh, he's been out with an injury. Still waiting for Jordan Greenway to make his return again. So you know they're missing some key pieces, but they're definitely leaning way too hard right now on Kirill Kaprizov and to a degree Matt Boldy. They're just not getting much from other, you know, other lines, other players, things like that right now. And that's disappointing because one of the strengths of last year's team, of course, was the depth of scoring, the way you didn't have to lean on one guy, even though you did have that star player in Kirill Kaprizov. So that's the new that's the new problem. Uh, you know, the the old problem was they couldn't keep the puck out of the net. The new problem is they can't get the puck in the net. Um, head coach Dean Evison was asked about that after the game, 
um, he was maybe a little bit more optimistic about you know kind of what the, what that game looked like than I was. So here is his take on it. No, I mean we outshoot them. We're we're, we're getting lots of pucks to the net. Uh, we got we got lots of opportunities. We just we we're, we're not scoring obviously, um, you know, but we're doing the right things to score. Um, but we just haven't found a way to uh, you know to put two, three, four together. Um, but again, our power play has to has to generate um, and get us going, uh, you know, in in some areas. I don't know. It just didn't look like that to me, and it hasn't looked like that to me for the preponderance of games lately. Again, like I said, eight goals um, in their last six games, and they got four of those in one game. Uh, they've been shut out twice in that span. They've gotten one goal a couple times, and they got two goals once. So five of the last six games. They've gotten zero, one, or two goals. That's not going to cut it at any point in this league. They've, they've squeezed out a couple wins in that span just because they got that four-goal game. They won a one-nothing game. Um, you know, one of those two-goal games, they managed to at least get a point. So it hasn't been a disaster in the standings. But they're seven, seven, and two right now. That's not where they want to be, not where they expected to be. And right now, I, I just feel like they're, the offense isn't clicking, and I don't feel like they have a real identity right now aside from Kareel, go make a play. And that's not sustainable over the long haul. It, it works in stretches. It works because he is so dynamic. But you're going to have to get more secondary scoring, more secondary chances soon, or else you're going to fall even further in the standings. Okay, so like I said at the jump, I was over at uh, Timberwolves Media Access on Tuesday. Um, I've been kind of just poking around. NBA.com has a nice feature where you can look at you know how different lineup combinations play together what the rate, what the you know rebound rate is what the offensive rating defensive rating is when different groups are on the floor not just five player combinations but two player combinations three player combinations four player combinations to kind of drill down and see you know what's not working for the wolves right now what is working for the wolves right now at least in terms of personnel groupings and you know it gets in it's only 14 games into the season sometimes the sample sizes are pretty small it's hard to draw Hard conclusions, but I think the thing we have seen so far that's got to be disappointing for the Wolves is that starting five still is not is not showing up well. Their net rating is minus 6.2, which means that per 100 possessions, they're scoring 6.2 points fewer than their opponents. And a lot of that's been on the offensive side, where it's just been not a great offensive look. So I wanted to ask Chris Finch, and I asked D'Angelo Russell as well um, on Tuesday, kind of as they look at that, as they look at those numbers, what are they looking for, and, and kind of what's the relative value as you kind of slice and dice those numbers in different ways? And I thought it was kind of interesting because I asked the question in two different ways, I think, to Finch and D'Lo, and I got two different answers. But I don't think those two answers are necessarily in conflict with one another, and I'll explain that after I play those two clips. So first, here's Chris Finch, and after that, here is me with D'Angelo Russell. Chris, when you're looking at lineup combinations that either work or don't work, what's the relative value of looking at all five versus like two or three player groupings? I mean, you can drive yourself crazy by looking at a lot of five-man lineups um, just because circumstantially sometimes you can't always get back to those anyway and there's small sample size at this point in the season. So I think it's more more about kind of two- and three-man lineups that you want to focus on. What, from that perspective, what have you liked this year? Uh, well, you know, well, I mean, it's been been more about what we've been trying to find. You know, we need to try to find, um, you know, more offensive creation around Rudy. You know, more defense around Cat. That's kind of the big thing I think we've been trying to trying to strive towards right now. Dealer, we tend to focus on five man lineups, but how much of chemistry is two man game, three man game, as far as you see it? 
Not a lot. Five. It's all five players. Um, you run a play, all it takes is for one guy to mess it up for it not to work. Um, and to, to, to see and develop chemistry, you run a play once, and if it works, you run it again, and the first option might not be there, you go to the second. And that's how you develop that chemistry. You might start slowly developing the third and the fourth option out of it. So chemistry out of it is all five, even six, you know, guys that might be in that rotation. So here's why I don't think those two things are at odds with each other, even though they might sound like they are. Finch is looking for two or three player combinations that might work in stretches, I think. Not not necessarily the starting lineup. He's looking at, you know, the big picture and how, you know, sample size-wise, the only sample size they really have of a five-player lineup is their starting five right now. No other five-player combo has played more than 36 minutes. And beyond that, I think it's like 12 or 13 so, you know, what what we know right now is largely what's been going on with the starting unit, and that group has not been good. Like I said, that net rating of minus 6.2. So he's saying, you know, what we're looking for is what works with Gobert, what works with Towns, how can we pay, how can we put players around them to, to be successful maybe in these little spurts of games, and I'm sure he understands they got to figure out the starting lineup, but that uh, maybe that's uh, with sample sizes, that's the only real sample size he knows right now. D'Angelo Russell, on the other hand, is talking about chemistry, talking pretty much specifically about that five-player first starting unit and how they need to be better. And I would definitely agree with that, um, that, that he knows that they're not doing what they need to do right now, that they're not you know, sharing the ball in the way they need to do it, that they need to develop that chemistry. So if the first option's not there, you know where the other guy's going to be. You know you're going to get a good shot deep in the clock, even if you have to go to the third or fourth option of a set or a play. So I don't think those two things were at odds with, with each other. What I did think was interesting was was Finch saying, you know, kind of definitively, they're looking for more defense around Towns and more playmaking around Gobert. One pairing that's been very good this season is Towns and Jordan McLaughlin. That's one of the best two-man pairings among the Wolves. Anthony Edwards and Jordan McLaughlin, really good too. And uh, if you're looking for a three-man group, Towns, Edwards, and McLaughlin, surprisingly good on defense, very good on offense. So maybe that's a lineup combination to kind of push a little bit more going forward as they try to get, you know, a good a good push, you know, end of first quarter, you know, into that second quarter, try to get to maybe try to get those guys playing together when D'Lo goes out. I don't know. That's just a thought that, that that those three seem to have a good chemistry right now, certainly better than than Towns, um, Edwards, and Russell right now. Not picking on D'Lo, just saying if, if you're looking at what works, if you're looking at those combinations that work, that's a three-man group that's worked so far. I do think they've got to figure out who works well with Gobert. I think they found a little bit of that with Edwards the other day, so maybe that's something to explore as well. But you know, just keeping that in mind as you think about these games going forward, thinking about uh, you know, thinking about how things look in Orlando, how things look going forward, and what they're trying to do to get better this season. And of course, right after the break here, I'm going to go into even more depth on some of these subjects and other Timberwolves things with beat writer Chris Hine. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. It's really good to have Chris Hine back on Daily Delivery to talk Timberwolves. It's been a couple weeks, Chris, and a couple weeks for this team feels like a long time because a lot has already happened already just for a team that's only played 
14 games, sitting at six and eight, certainly not where they want to be in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, maybe the most recent development was something something positive. Um, the the win at Cleveland, even though um, you know, it, a little bit of a sputter to the finish line. They built that big lead and then had to hold on, but hold on, they did. Got the win there against a team that you know had been very good to start the year, at least missing some key players, obviously, in that game. But you know, as we think about this team as a whole, maybe that's a good place to start because the starters did, the lineup did come alive in that game. D'Angelo Russell, his best game of the year, probably, or at least one of them, Cronthony Towns, very good in that game. Saw some good things, especially offensively in those three quarters. Stands in contrast to what we had been seeing with those national TV blowout, you know, getting booed at home. Um, what, what do you, maybe just a, a lay of the land as as you see it, the game against Cleveland and the backdrop of that against everything else that's been going on. What what do you, where do you see this team right now? I've said it before, and I'll say it again. On you know through the end of the season, this team is so much better when D'Angelo Russell plays well, and when he's in a slump or doesn't have it going the way he did for most of the last two plus weeks, they're going to struggle. Um, it's it's just it seems to be the way of this team. And I, you know, I don't know if that's because he's the point guard and that, and that just initiates everything and kind of trickles down to everybody else on the team. But I don't think it's a coincidence that we're sitting here and D'Angelo Russell had his best game of the season and the Timberwolves won. And before that they had lost six of seven when he seemed like he couldn't make a shot. Um, so that to me is still one of the, the, big thesis statements of this team is this team will only go as far as D'Angelo Russell is, is willing to, to kind of take it. Um, and I think that's becoming, at least to me, a little more evident early on this season. Um, and so I think they did a lot of good things to get him going on Sunday night. Like they did a lot of stuff with him off the ball instead of just having the ball in his hands the whole time. And I think that really helped get him off to a good start in the first quarter. So I wonder if we'll see some more of that as we as we go uh, forward here, just maybe alleviating some of the pressure on him to always have the ball in his hands, to always be running a pick and roll with somebody and having to make decisions. Instead, they're kind of doing some actions specifically to get him the ball, not off the dribble. Now, aside from, you know, just some of the, you know, disappointment of the record and and how some of these games have gone. You know, some of the national narrative that I picked up on just reading, reading you know other people's Twitter feeds, reading the stories, watching the games myself. You know, a big question is like, what? Why does the vibe seem suddenly different this season? There was such a good vibe last year. Part of part of what made them good last year was this kind of energy, this this kind of contagious energy that that kind of permeated through the lineup, and you know. Is it? Do we point to something as as simple as, hey, they traded a lot of those energy guys away, uh, guys like Beverly, guys like Vanderbilt, even a guy like Malik Beasley, and you can't just rebuild chemistry overnight? Or is what? Why is the vibe has? Why does the vibe seem off, almost from the beginning of this season? I think it's also the the weight of expectations too. You know, last year there weren't the expectations weren't. I don't want to say there, but I mean the whole basketball world wasn't watching you sure. the way that the way that it is this year. And last year's team just kind of had something to prove in terms of, Hey, take us seriously. We're a good team and we're going to show you why. 
the the whole dynamic is different. It's like you're expected to be now a top four team in the Western Conference, and you have to try and make this work. And I think it's just a different weight on the shoulders of of the players and of this team than they had a year ago. And I will say, and I, I, last year's team started four and nine. You yes. know, let's not let's not forget that. They Correct. they started they struggled out of the gate too, and and there were some losses that felt a lot like some of the losses that we had. I remember a couple blowouts in Los Angeles mm-hmm. or to, or to the Clippers. Um, there was a bad loss to Orlando early yes. in the season. I think I wrote. I think I wrote a. Uh, I think I wrote a. If this keeps up, they got to trade Car Anthony Towns post at some point during that run. <laughs> so, let me guess. Was Ben Simmons involved somewhere? Or, I don't think or, he was. That was not no, part of. That no, was not part okay. of the Ben Simmons trade. No. <laughs> um, so, I, I try to keep that in mind with this team, and, and I know it's it's hard, and and you know you don't often you know fans don't often want to take the long view. You know, they, they just see what's in front of them. And listen, it's been bleak at times this season. I, I get it. But this team was 4-9 and nine last year, and they, and they showed a capability of figuring it out and turning it around. And I think you have to at least give this group the same sort of leash to try and figure things out. I, I you know, I, I just think you have to. Uh, because what else do, what else do you have? Uh, at this point in time, you got to see if this group can make it work before you, you think of anything drastic to, to do to the roster. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, and, you know, I think obviously the, the win over Cleveland buys them some grace, buys them some, you know, some things they can look to and say, hey, this is working. Let's keep doing this. Let's keep trying and experimenting. Um, what's kind of interesting is the starting five, the preferred starting five, um, when everybody's healthy this year has been Gobert. Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, Jade McDaniels. According to NBA.com, that group has played 177 minutes together. No other five-man group has played more than 36, and no more, no more besides that one has played more than 16. So you don't really have much of a sample size of a group that's working well together. And that starting five has not been great. They have a net rating of minus 5.9, and most of that's you know some offensive struggles turning the ball over at weird times there's not a whole lot of ball movement at, at other times um as we think about how the starting five can get better and or other combinations that work even if we're not talking about some kind of drastic change like a move to the starting lineup which i don't imagine is coming anytime soon listening to chris finch and watching them play against cleveland what, what other whatever what other combinations might work you know, in 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 stretches, and and where and where might this this starting five get better if they are going to improve? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I think you've been seeing Finch. Well, he's stuck with the starting lineup as is. Been uh, kind of messing around with different combinations. And I think last night you saw Jordan McLaughlin and, and Russell playing towards the end of the first quarter, and that was a, a pretty productive stretch for Russell. And those two have worked well together in the past. So I wonder if you're going to see a little more of that. Uh, I thought uh, Towns had a really good third quarter playing off of Kyle Anderson last night. Kyle Anderson brings a little, a little ball handling and, and, and skill to somebody with his size. And Kyle Anderson had four assists in that third quarter uh, last night. And I thought he and Towns really showed a good chemistry that got Carl going in that third quarter. Um, so I think that's a pairing that you could that you could watch out for as we as we move forward. 
I thought Ant on Friday night showed some chemistry with Gobert. Actually, yeah, uh, I, I thought I thought he was able to hit Gobert and uh, on some of the roles in ways that the Wolves hadn't been doing yet this season. So it's kind of it's kind of finding these two and three man combinations, which is what the Wolves really look at, not just a five man group, but kind of yeah. like these these two guys or these three guys seem to work well together, and that's kind of how they fit they fit things together. So I think you're seeing some some signs emerge with just different guys and how they play off of each other. Um, so I would expect to maybe see some of that moving forward as well. Yeah, and I'm intrigued by the idea of Ant handling the ball a little bit more. Maybe that comes in tandem a little bit with D'Angelo Russell playing off the ball a little bit more. If he does have better pick-and-roll chemistry with Gobert or if he's going to you know, be able to be a little bit more dangerous attacking the rim, maybe there's something to be uh, something to be explored there. And I, you're right, though. It doesn't seem like necessarily looking at the roster. I can't really picture someone who's necessarily clamoring for a bigger role unless I'm unless I'm missing something. It does kind of feel like they have to sort itself sort themselves out within what within their current structure instead of taking minutes away from somebody and giving them to somebody else. Unless I'm unless I'm missing something. No, I think I think your read is right. Um, I think you know Kyle Anderson has shown that he's deserving of a, of a, a good chunk of minutes. Torian Prince had a really good game last night as well, and I think he's been pretty steady throughout most of this early part of the season here. Um, so I, I think most of the guys are, are slotted in pretty well. We'll see what happens when Nas Reed comes back here. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll see his status, uh, for Wednesday's game. It's been out the last three games because of an illness. Um, Chris Finch said there was like a GI bug going around the team or something like that. And it seems to affect Reed more than anybody else. Um, so, but, but I think you, you, you found some some good spots off the bench for for guys like Prince and Anderson. Jalen Noel has been kind of up and down, um, you know, kind of depending on the night. But that's a guy that you know you don't, you still want to give him minutes because he can score the way nobody else on the bench can score. Um, so yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I, I don't think you you move Delo out of the starting lineup anytime soon. You, you you've got to stick with Jaden McDaniels and all of his foul trouble because he's your best defender. You got to just hope he plays through it and gets better at that. Eliminate some of his more careless fouls. Um, so I, I don't see any changes to the starting lineup, any, at least in the immediate future. Ooh, it's not what I want to hear, Chris. No, it, 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 it makes sense. You got, you, know, you, keep... got, you got to make this, you got to make this group work. Like you got to, you, for better or for worse, this this is the five man group that is supposed to lead you to the second round and beyond of the playoffs. This those five guys, so you've got to try to give them several games to try and all get on the same page and, and figure it out. You can't just tinker with it for the sake of you know winning a game on a Tuesday in November. Yeah, no, that's that, that's fair. It just. The energy is the thing that probably bothers me, and that's probably where you're getting a lot of the the booze from the crowd, right? You know, the the energy right. gets bad, and then the game gets out of hand, and you just the, the expectations are different. I think you made a good point there, where you know people expect this team to win, and that they they kind of came into this fans came into this year thinking this was a team serious about contention. So when they see them losing, it's not like oh well the the wolves always lose. They're like no, you made the playoffs last year. This, this year you were expected to do even better. Um, and if the results aren't good and the energy is even worse, that that's a problem. So I, I wonder if, you know, just 
I think you made a good point about the the expectations affecting energy. I just still I still wonder about the the chemistry of this first group and and how that comes together because just it just hasn't looked it just hasn't looked right. It hasn't been like Jimmy Butler level bad yet. Uh, I'm sorry to invoke that name as as he just did gives you shivers still after having to cover the uh, the the trade spectacle that it was, but. It, it doesn't. It hasn't felt right, and maybe that just takes time. I just don't think they imagined it would take that it would look this bad uh, for for even at the start of the year. Yeah, and I think you you see with this team some of the issues that have just been present even before last season. Yeah, with, with some of them. Yeah, whether it be coming out and playing with energy and intensity a hundred percent of the time whether it be getting complacent with a big lead and, you know, losing it and, and kind of being lackadaisical once you played a good quarter or a good two quarters. Some of these issues keep popping up with this group of guys. And I wonder how much of it is just baked into who they are as a team. Um, you know, I was watching that game on Sunday night and I'm like, Oh, the Timberwolves are losing a, 20 point lead in the second half of a game it's you know they they went through like three playoff games like that yeah <laughs> you know and if that wasn't enough to wake them up to to what they need to do in those situations i don't know that anything is ever going to do that with, oh. with this team like like in terms of just playing smart consistent basketball on a regular basis uh when you get in situations like this listen it's the nba everybody's gonna blow a 20 point lead every now and then um but the best teams in the league don't a don't do it that often and and b you know more often than not turn those 20 point leads into 30 point leads than they do giving them up so uh, this i i just wonder about some of the inherent fatal flaws of, of of who this team is and who some of these guys are together um and i i don't know that they've eliminated some of those no you spoke about you're talking about inherent fatal flaws and obviously the big one in the in the playoff series and you know how the memphis came back in a lot of those games was killing them on the offensive glass killing them in those second chance points and that was the story of the most recent game against memphis they're still you know still gave up what 15 you know, 15 second chances and like 32 second chance points, which is just absurd. That's more than two points per extra possession. And that just had to kill Chris Finch and probably kill Tim Connolly, who brought Rudy Gobert in in part to solve that problem. And and that still hasn't been solved. There's still not a very good defensive rebounding team. It's obviously it's more than Gobert. It's the guards. It's everybody. And I think there was some that game. There's like five guys that didn't have a rebound. Um, that that's got to speak to a little bit of, of of effort and maybe just inherent flaws as well. Yeah, it's it's amazing to me that they still struggle with with rebounding. It, I, I I can't wrap my head around why they're so bad and why continually so bad at it. Um, boxing out doesn't seem like it should be as hard as it is for this group. You locate your guy and you put a body on him. You don't just stand there and watch the shot as it goes by. You got to actually seek somebody out, and it, but it's not that hard. It really isn't, and they just seem like they're in a different headspace sometimes with this stuff. And guys are flying right by them, contesting these long rebounds. Before you know it, you may have played twenty to twenty-four seconds of really good half-court defense. 
but you give it all right back because you can't get the rebound and somebody's getting a wide open three off of one pass off of an offensive rebound. Um, you know, that's how I think Garland got going on Sunday night. He had, I think his first two threes came off of long offensive rebounds very early in the game. Um, so that's got to change. That that absolutely has to change. They have to get better at rebounding. And it's on them to just focus on what they need to do on that end of the floor or, or in that particular end of the floor. It's 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 mental. It's more a mental thing than anything. Just just box out. Just box out and and commit to it. Yeah, and that's the that's the most frustrating part because you've got you know you're talking about their lineup when their preferred starting five in there. They're, that's a big lineup. Like Jaden McDaniels at three, he he should be able to be getting in there for rebounds. I know he's not typically or not terribly uh, broad shoulder, but he is. You know he's tall. He should be able to get rebounds. Um, and then you've got obviously Towns and Gobert playing together. And you know the evidence of how well that's working is still going to take some time to to figure that all out. But you know even even when Towns and Gobert are on the court together, the defensive rebounding percentage is about seventy percent. That's that's not great as a two man pair. That's just not that's just not what you want to see. Um, you know across the boards. So you're right that the piece about you know they should be better at this. And they're not is frustrating. I guess that that led me to I was kind of roundabout getting to the the towns go bear question. Maybe as our final thing, how you know what evidence do we have through their twelve games together? What evidence do we have that that's working, not working, getting better, not getting better? How how do we assess that uh, that partnership and and ways they're being able to, to deploy those two guys together or separately at this point? I think it's getting better, but. I condition that by saying it started out pretty low. Um, the, those first couple of weeks were were rough. Uh, you know, those that loss to San Antonio, that loss to Phoenix, when it seemed like the offense was just stuck in mud the entire time, was really were really eye opening games for how far they had to go. Um, but I do think over the last couple of games here, the offense has looked uh, significantly better. Um, both with and without the, you know, w- with them on the floor together and when they've been separated in terms of their minutes. So I think if, if there's one positive you could take from this, it's that they are starting to look a little better on the offensive floor, on the offensive end of the floor overall. Um, you know, it's just when when something gets fixed on this team and, you know, and other problems show up, which is what tends to happen with, with them. And so, you know, the other night against Memphis, you play a pretty good offensive game. You can't rebound the basketball. Yep. Last night against Cleveland, you shoot the lights out again, and then you give up a big lead in the fourth quarter, and you can't really hunker down on the defensive end like you should. So it's all about bringing it, bringing it all together, and they haven't really shown an ability to do that yet in, in pretty much any game they've played this season. Yeah, not against any certain quality of opponent, and you know even against some of the you know some of the teams they should beat, they've made it harder or have lost, and that'll be you know probably some of the test of of Wednesday. They had some weird outcomes against Orlando. They they can't overlook any game, but especially not that game at this point. Yeah, they lost to Orlando twice last season, so um, bad losses on both ends. And like, like you said, we, we've. Uh, We've seen some interesting games against Orlando over the last few years. So 
even though Orlando is towards the bottom of the East, this is not a game that they should be taking lightly. And that's another problem with this team is sometimes they get a little too high off of their own success. They, they, they get complacent, they get happy. And then it takes them a while to get the necessary motivation and urgency to come back around and, and get back to a point where they're, they're hungry and motivated. So, you know, Let's see if this team can stack wins the way last year's team did at, at certain points in the season um, because this is certainly a gettable game on Wednesday and one that you probably should win. Not great at handling success nor failure so far this season, but uh, regardless of what happens, Chris Hine will be there to chronicle it. Follow his coverage always, Star Tribune and StarTribune.com. And uh, Chris, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Sounds good, Mike. Thank you. Good stuff from Chris. Follow his work, StarTribune, StarTribune.com, and follow his Grammy Award musings um, on Twitter, at Christopher Hine. Let's finish with the cooler. Keep it right here with the Timberwolves for one more thing. D'Angelo Russell was asked at the very end of his media availability kind of when he knows a team might be you know, might be better prepared than the other team when they get into a game situation. I thought his answer was interesting. I believe the question came from Jace Frederick from St. Paul Pioneer Press, just kind of interesting to me what Delo sets want to play that quick as we roll out of here. Shoot around, you can see it. Yeah, as soon, yeah. The sooner, as soon as you get together as a group, you can kind of see who didn't get sleep last night and all that. So, yeah. Did the Wolves get enough sleep in Orlando Tuesday night? Maybe we'll find out <clears throat> Wednesday when they play there. Look for that. Look for how they start in Wednesday's game. I'll be watching that. Just a, just an interesting little factoid that uh, that Delo said, and I'll, I'll be watching for that in Wednesday night's game. That will do it for me here today. Randy Johnson, go for football. Coming up on Thursday show, huge game Saturday against Iowa, trying to beat the Hawkeyes for the first time since 2014 and trying to stay in the Big Ten West race. Thanks for listening. Back at it again tomorrow.